I want to sing about things that are difficult to talk about. I want to sing about things that people shy away from speaking about because they're heavy. And when they say, what are you? It's like they want you to, to define yourself in one word or one line or two words or whatever. Um, and I have felt that my identity is so complex that I could never answer that question. And every time I have answered that question, it has let someone down. Welcome back to The Passages Podcast. I'm your host, Chloe. I'm the founder of The Passages Project, where we are working to build a world which empowers the next generation of professionals, which is you, (laughs) to honor, explore, and advance their lives and careers from day one. We do that in a lot of ways, and this podcast is one of them. Today, I have the honor of introducing you to a new soul sister, the absolute badass singer-songwriter, Ray Zaragoza. Ray is an artist known in the media for her feminist anthems, her fearless protest folk music, and her use of music as an outlet to embrace her Japanese-American, Mexican, and indigenous heritage. A New York City native, Ray is passionate about addressing issues that are often overlooked in our nation through the power of art. And her latest album, which drops today, (laughs) is one incredible example of that passion in action. Ray's new album, Woman in Color, drops today, October 23rd, by Rebel River Records, which is Ray's own independent label. The folk album is an intimate, empowering exploration of Ray's journey to feeling comfortable in her own skin and background. We know that you're going to want to listen in right when this episode ends, so everything that you need to support Ray and her music will be linked below. If you're inspired by grassroots, homegrown artists, those who are in love with the hustle and destined to inspire the world, you're going to live for this conversation. Ray's wisdom on how to better understand, love, and advocate for the world around you will blow you away, and her dedication to her creative practice will inspire you regardless of whether you're interested in the singer-songwriter path or not. This episode is one for the books. Let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Ray. I grew up in New York City and I grew up in theater. So my dad, when I was like five years old, he was in a Broadway show called Andy Get Your Gun. He played Chief Sitting Bull. And so when I was a kid, I was always surrounded by the arts and theater and creativity in so many different ways. And I grew up like backstage. You know, I got to hang out in dressing rooms. I got to hang out with famous actors and I got to hang out with people who were living the dream, you know? And so when I was younger, all I thought about was I want to do what they're doing. You know, they seem really cool. And so from there, you know, I started doing theater myself. I started singing, um, just doing off-Broadway shows and school plays and uh, dancing and acting and singing um, for all of my time in New York City. And we moved to LA when I was 14. In high school, I started writing songs about like age 17. And um, I decided not to go to college because I wanted to be an artist. I didn't even know what that meant. I guess at that time, I thought I wanted to be an actor um, and be on television. Um, But I really didn't like it. And I really just thought that that was what art was. And so if I wanted to do art, it was going to be acting because that's what I knew my whole life. but then what happened was, you know, you know, long story short, after, um, after high school, I didn't go to college. I moved out of my home, found a place to live on Craigslist, started hostessing at a restaurant, and then got home every night and couldn't sleep because I was just like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I have no direction. I have no idea what I want to do. I just know that I want to make art. And um, I started writing songs. And so I started writing songs um, when I couldn't sleep. And then eventually someone invited me to play. um, Oh, and I was always, (laughs) my whole life, I've always been very, um, very fearless in terms of like telling people what I'm up to and um, doing things before I'm ready for them. And so I used to tell, I think once I wrote like my first song, 
I like printed business cards that said Rihanna Saragossa, actress, singer, songwriter. I, I don't know why. I just like went on Vistaprint and like made a bunch of business cards that said my name and I was an actress and a singer, songwriter. And so I would hand them out when I was hostessing at the restaurant when I was 18. And like, if anyone asked me, like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm Rihanna Saragossa and I'm an actress and a singer songwriter. Here's my card. I would literally do that. And so I guess one day I just gave my card to the right person and she ran the farmer's market, which happened in North Hollywood where I was living. And I played that farmer's market. I had to, I played like all cover songs and then one gig led to another and I, I got invited to play the house of blues. And then I sold like a hundred tickets. Cause I told everyone at the restaurant I worked at to come to the show. Um, and then just kind of like, kind of just grew from there. I moved to New York city at the age of back to New York city at the age of 20, um, waited tables, bartended and, uh, played music relentlessly for three years. And I bartended at, at music venues. So whenever, uh, a band didn't show up to play their set, I would just go on stage and play. Um, and so I was in a really great like educational boot camp for a lot of my early 20s. Even though I wasn't in school, I played all the time. I was writing all the time and I just became obsessed with it. And then um, from there, I moved back to LA when I was 23. I wrote a song called In the River about the Standing Rock movement. Um, that song kind of went a little viral on Facebook. And I guess a, kind of the rest was history. I, I, found, I really found my voice as a singer songwriter in that moment, in that time. And I realized, um, oh, I love what I'm doing. And now I've actually found something um, that I want to sing about. And that's about me. I want to sing about things that are um, difficult to talk about. I want to sing about things that people shy away from speaking about because they're heavy. Um, and so that's kind of what started me on this road of being a quote unquote social justice artist or a, a singer songwriter with a, a message, you know, and, and whatnot. So that's like the kind of spark notes, cliff, cliff notes version of my journey. <laughs> well, let me know when you write a book because I will be the first to buy it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so sweet. It's funny because, you know, as you live it, you're just, none of it seems that extraordinary or that exciting because um, you're just living it day to day. But when I put it all, condense it like that, it's like, oh, there's actually been some cool and exciting things along the way for sure. Yeah. The underlying thread I kind of heard as you were sharing that was this, this hustle and this zest mm -hmm. to just make it work, whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, what you said earlier yeah. really stands out to me. You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. I wanted to be an artist and I had no idea what that even meant. And I think there's yeah. so much power in that realization. And I think it's really inspiring to see a story of, you know, there was no clear ending here. You're not even there yet, wherever there yeah. is. I mean, you are right. so... You're, you're in the journey and all it took was that you continued to show up. I mean, I guess my next mm. question for you is what were the emotions that were kind of stirring as you were in this season? Were you ever really scared? Mm. Did you ever think about, you know, what if this doesn't work? Was there mm. ever that kind of moment for you? Yeah. You know, what I was going to say too, also before I answer a question was about like, I think that I just love the process so much. Um, and that's the thing is that I think if you go into it, like an artistic journey with a destination, um, that's like not the best way to go about it. You have to be obsessed with the process. Um, but yeah, so in terms of like the emotions and what I was feeling and if I ever felt like, you know, what if this doesn't work out? It's interesting because I didn't actually start having those feelings until it started working. Um, when I was waiting tables and bartending and playing like four to five nights a week, you know, new songs and just, I felt like no one was really watching. So I felt like I had nothing to lose. And so I took a lot of risks. Um, I didn't really care what people thought about me. Um, I was shameless in terms of promotion. I, I, I was laughing about this because I got a message from someone 
on Instagram and they said, hey, I have the flyer you gave me on the subway seven years ago. And I literally would have flyers in my backpack when I was uh, on the subway, like going to the bar or whatever. And if I met someone and I talked to them for more than five minutes, I'd be like, I'm a singer songwriter. I have a show coming up. Here's my flyer. I was just like obsessed. Like I was relentless. And I had this very blind faith in myself um, that sometimes I, not that I wonder where it went, but that I'm like very like shocked by my younger self. And I have a lot of respect for her. And I feel like she, uh, she had this like naive, um, blind, uh, just drive, um, and did not care if it worked out or not. And I was like, you know, someone's got to make it. And if I'm going to have a shot, I have to work 17,000 times as hard as everyone else. So I'm going to be crazy, <laughs> you know? And, um, I just had this I had no fear of being cheesy. I had no fear of coming off strong. I just was like, I'm like, hey, I'm 20. I write songs and what do I have to lose? All my friends are in college and they're all on a different path. So there's nothing there. I had like no one to compare myself to. I just felt very much like I'm doing this alternative path. So I might as well just go crazy and do it a hundred thousand percent. And so um, the emotions going through that time, you know, obviously I had times when I was like very, very, um, I had a hard time and I wanted to quit. Um, I think the, the, the most serious I got about wanting to quit was when I moved back to LA right before I wrote In the River, I wanted to quit. I really, I almost moved, moved back to LA to quit. Um, I just felt like I had nothing exciting to say. I felt like my music was, I was writing a lot of love songs at that point. And I just felt like, what's the greater purpose of doing this? Like I've been at this for five years and sure I can sell like 80 tickets to a group of people in New York. And like, I know 70% of the room, but like, what is the greater purpose here? And I just wanted to quit. Um, and that's when, like, I guess everything changed when I started writing songs with more of a message. But uh, to answer your question, it there was so many emotions. I mean, but I think what I always did, like, even on the days where I was crying through it or I left a show crying because no one showed up or I was in a really bad place, I just always told myself that that was temporary and that it was going to get better. And whenever I would watch other artists play shows, I would be like, you know what? All of the pain and the like scrappiness and the the late nights of like bartending till 4 a.m. at the age of 20 and playing to two people in the audience and, and lugging my guitar all over New York City and all of this like really difficult these difficult times is worth it just to have like one slice of what that person on stage has and I just like kept my eye on the prize you know and I refused to back down um and even when I tried to back down it only lasted a little bit so anyway there it was a roller coaster of emotions <laughs> that's for sure oh my gosh I'm sure yeah I Oh, your journey. That's, it's poetic. <laughs> it's so poetic to just reflect and to listen to you share that. I, obviously I'm, I'm not in that world and that's kind of the mm. point of talking to you. Is yeah. It's yeah. fun to talk about. I mean, a lot of times when I am interviewed, it's like you're, you talk about the past few months or the past year or the future. It's yeah. rare that you talk about the beginning um, which I think is the, the most important part because a lot of times people want to he hear artists talk about their journeys because they want to learn from them. But a lot of times when I hear people talk about their journeys as artists, especially people who are really established, um, it, it sounds so easy and it makes me feel like there's something wrong with me that I hadn't made it at that point or I haven't made it yet or whatever. Um, so I think it is really important to understand of like, no, there was like a five to seven year um, period of bartending, waiting tables, playing to no one and 
not really seeing any um any real uh <laughs> you know return on the investment and uh so yeah <laughs> yeah that's an interesting term that's an interesting way to explain it is that return on investment but i love what yeah. you said as well being obsessed with the process and yeah. that's something that i believe wholeheartedly and i talked about it before but you yeah. know chasing the dream is the dream itself like that if you're it's not gotta a, be it has to be. it has to be and i understand how it isn't i mean for some people or for some depending on what you're doing because for me when i was trying to be an actress um i really loved being on set and i really loved being on stage and being um in shows and plays and acting on camera i loved it but i hated the process I hated auditioning. I hated the rehearsal process. Um, I hated the headshots and I, I, I hated the process, but I loved the product, but that doesn't mean that I love being, I, I did not love that vocation and it didn't work for me because I didn't love the process. The parts that are seen as like the work or like the less attractive, the like the less fun stuff, you have to love it because that's 90% of the work. Yeah. And I'm sure you have so much empathy for for artists all over artists chasing yeah. all different types of path because if this is if it took this amount of work to get to where you are i mean it's probably <laughs> a similar path no matter what creative passion you're pursuing oh my gosh yes <laughs> <laughs> i yeah you gotta really i mean i always say like as a singer songwriter i'm like you gotta love the sound of your voice you mm -hmm. really do because I mean, I used to play like five nights a week. Um, like even when I started playing music full time, I was playing like five nights a week at restaurants and wineries um, like for five hours a night. And just listen, like I was literally like listening to myself sing for hours. And I'm like, I was always, I was always laughing. I'm like, you gotta love the sound of your voice because you're gonna hear a lot of it. And um, it's true. Cause like even like, you know, a lot of people like, the goal was like, I'm going to survive off my art. Like I'm going to be a full-time musician. That sounded like such an incredible thing when I was, um, you know, my earlier years in New York city and bartending and waitressing playing. But then I got here and I was doing that. I was a full-time musician, but I didn't feel like my life changed that much because I was still at the bars and I was still at the restaurants. I was just in a different part of the bar in the restaurant. I was like, in the other corner Whoa. playing music i wasn't behind the bar and i was making pretty much the same amount wow. if not i was making more behind the bar so it's really interesting when you think about your dreams and you have this idea of what your dream is going to be when really like you have to love the process because the process sticks with you even in the moments when you feel like you have got to the next level or that you've made it in a, in a new way and Luckily, I don't do those gigs anymore. <laughs> I don't play at bars and restaurants as atmosphere music. And now I'm in a place that I, oh my gosh, like I just feel, I feel so happy where I'm at. Um, and I feel like it's a lot easier than the days before. But um, yeah, so it's funny how we idealize this version of like when it's going to be good, when I'm going to make it, when I'm going to be happy with myself, when I'm going to consider myself successful. Because a lot of times you reach those points and things aren't really that different. <laughs> that is profound what you did <laughs> I'm I gotta <laughs> I gotta write that out and remember <laughs> I was still in the bars and restaurants I was just on the other corner making the same yeah that's so funny. I was <laughs> I really and I really wasn't I was yeah I was making the same amount of money um so it's it's pretty yeah. it's fascinating <laughs> yeah so what changed? Tell me about the, the process of putting together your latest record and, and what it means to you and how you feel like developing this has, has developed you as an artist. Yeah, you know, I, um, I, kinda, I took up meditation about two years ago and I was meditating and this like album title just like came into my head before I had written any of the songs. And it was like, woman in color and I was like what the hell is that <laughs> and you know this term like woman of color is something that I've claimed my whole life it's like who I am or at least as long as I've been a woman and um it's like what does that mean you know and you know I come from this really first background um I mean first and foremost I'm a New Yorker like I'm from New York City 
I grew up in like, you know, I, I grew up in going to public school and I grew up in predominantly like white communities uh, growing up in Greenwich Village. And I mean, it was it was new, still New York City, so it was like more diverse than other places, but uh, I was still a minority in every single uh, community I've grown up in. And so, you know, a New Yorker, my dad is Mexican and Native American, Akime Atham descent, and my mom is an immigrant from Japan, but she's also Taiwanese. So I'm a few generations removed from pretty much every uh, like heritage that I am. And yet my face and I present very much more like who, what my background is rather than American, because in America, all, like, I always wanted to be an all American girl, you know, but all American girls are white. And so Growing up with that was a very difficult thing for me. I always wanted to be this like perfect, pretty it girl, which is one of the songs on the record. And I always felt that because I had brown skin, I couldn't be that. And so I grew up very dissociated from my appearance and very dissociated from my background. And um, I you know, I, I used to like resent my mom for making Japanese food and having me take it to school. And we went to the American Indian community house every weekend. I, I like resented that. And I was uh, in a dark place as a kid. And I think through my music, I've been reclaiming my identity, um, which is also very complicated because we live in a society that very much wants to box you in and they don't really, our society doesn't really see in-betweens. So being someone who is like a quarter of all these different backgrounds and also I'm very, very American and also like very New York and like also kind of LA and like whatever, I've found that I feel like I'm constantly explaining myself. I feel like I'm constantly letting people down in all these these different communities because I just can't like live up to um, the, I, I'm just not enough of anything. You know, that's how at least I felt. I've always felt like I was not enough. And so this album, Woman in Color, it's about like coloring in my own story and not being a headline anymore or not being a one-liner or not being the tokenized artist that I have felt in the past and really reclaiming my own self and, and understanding that I don't belong to any community. I belong to myself and I can belong to communities as well. But first and foremost, I belong to myself. My identity lies inside. It doesn't lie in the color of my skin or anything else. And so um, Woman in Color, every single song is like a new, um, is like, a, is like a, a drawing. It's like a story. It's a visual of a part of me. And so some of the songs are about um, indigenous women. Some songs are about my mom, who's an immigrant. Um, we've got songs about my hometown, New York City. Um, I have songs about um, my insecurities as a child. Um, songs just about women's empowerment. Um, and so um, I guess this record is me. Um, I kind of think about it as like a coloring book. <laughs> and I'm trying to fill in my own story that I felt like has like that I, I have felt has been told in black and white for most much of my life because um you know every time I, I walk up to someone when I was younger especially they would say like what are you you know and I'm like what am I I'm like I'm a robot or like you know it's like what do you mean like what am I and so and when they say what are you it's like they want you to, to define yourself in one word or one line um, or two words or whatever. Um, and I have felt that my identity is so complex that I could never answer that question. And every time I have answered that question, it has let someone down or it has let a part of me down or it has let a part of my family lineage down. So this record is me answering that question in a long form. <laughs> What's so interesting hearing you talk is hearing you share what you just shared and everything about this record. A, I cannot wait to go listen. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat on video. Like just <laughs> edge of my screen. <laughs> edge of my screen. Um, 
it feels to me like what I'm feeling through talking with you is this freedom of expectation. Yeah. And it's not even like you mentioned earlier, I think there's, there is this younger self that's like, look, I'm not ashamed to be powerful, to step mm-hmm. into everything that I am and everything yeah. that I want to be. But also I and society have set expectations on what that power is supposed to present. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting to me to hear you share your story and your background and your identity and the complexities of how you've gotten to this place. Because mm-hmm. if anything, I think it makes everything way more powerful. Mm. Um, it continues that kind of pioneering spirit that got you to yeah. be an artist in general. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so inspired. I'm oh, so thanks, inspired. Chloe. <laughs> I, my question now for you is this career path kind of blows mm. my mind. How intertwined your, your personal heart, identity, family, heritage, being powers and informs your work and and mm. how much more impactful your work will be the more that you put yourself into it which is a yeah. really interesting career path yeah. and I'm curious for you maybe to tell me more about that line between hobby and career or or mm. personal and professional what has that kind of experience been like building this yeah. this new professional identity for yourself that that is only as good as it is because you put all of your soul into it? Yes. Yeah. It's a great question. And, you know, I kind of have this like, um, you know, I'm learning how to uh, produce music on Logic and you can kind of think about, you know, I guess this is kind of like a little bit counter, like to the point of what I was making before about like not being able to define yourself. But at the end of the day, when you're a musician or you're an artist like you are a product and you are promoting yourself and you're selling yourself as the product and I think that the earlier you can accept that and acknowledge that like you know artistry like is a part it, like we we participate in capitalism like we're selling cds we're selling our videos we're selling we're selling we're selling um we're publishing we're we're trying to make money you know and so understanding that we are products I think is like a really dark but important thing to accept as an artist because um, there are parts of ourselves that we amplify um, in our in our like outward appearance or whatever like our out the way we perform or the way we present ourselves as artists um, that might be a little different from how you are in real life and it's not that it's not you it's that it's just like the dials are, are a little bit different so you know, like, let's say, like, I, I think about it with, the, like I said, with the production, you have like all these dials, you know, and like you volume knobs. And um, I would say that uh, to my audience and the people who see my shows, I probably come off a lot more extroverted than I do to the people in my uh, everyday life, because I'm just dialing up that knob when I'm um, in like my Ray artist self at shows, because I want to give everyone as much attention as I can. I want to give them my energy. It's not fake energy. It's just dialed up. And a lot of times when I go home after a tour, I take like a few like very, very introverted days. Um, so it's, it's really about like monitoring those dials and understanding like what parts of you do you want to like put on like higher volume and what do you want to put on lower? Um, you know, there's certain things that obviously people keep for private and like some of their private life they don't share. It doesn't make it any, it doesn't mean that it's not a part of their artistry, but they just don't share it. Um, and maybe there's something about themselves that they share constantly um, that is like just the, the dials up. So it's like my artist persona is entirely me. It's just like a few parts of me that are dialed up or down um, because of my um comfort level of what I share and um and that always is changing you know and we change so much and I I feel like um the past few years I've become more myself in the way that I present myself than I was before because before I was like still finding myself as I still am now um and so anyway yeah does that answer your question (laughs) yes yeah it is and I'm almost I'm seeing it as this kind of 
like a balance, you know, and the word balance is so overused in so many contexts, but I think in this context, it's, it's, if this is your whole identity, you know, one, Mm -hmm. one balance beam at any one point, it's probably tilting in a certain direction, but it doesn't mean that the other end of the spectrum isn't there as well. And isn't warming and leveling out the other. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that has kept my audience so engaged, um, you know, I always say like I have a very like like relatively small but mighty audience. I say the um, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's important. I think that like, you know, I have a Patreon and like Patreon, like whenever I have me- me- meetings there, they're always telling me about how my retention rate is really high. And I really feel that's because I share like a lot of myself with everyone and not not in a way that I feel is uncomfortable or an overshare but in a way that is authentic that actually um helps me like it's therapeutic for me to like announce <laughs> the way I'm feeling and I mean I am an extrovert it's so, like to like really share and share and I think that um back in the day it was really cool for artists to be very mysterious and elusive and detached and like you didn't really know what was going on in their heads and they had sunglasses on and and leather jackets and they just like walked past you and didn't acknowledge you and that was really cool and that was like the rock and roll days but now because of social media and because of just the way every we have access to everything at our fingertips people want to see artists as like unfinished works in progress as like broken human beings because we all are broken and we all are struggling and we all are sad at times and we all are really happy at times and we all are on this roller coaster um and artists are not fancy you know what i mean like they're not some kind of like superhuman they we are um just like having a rough go like everyone else is right now. So I think that my transparency with my audience has been what has kept a lot of people around for sure. Yeah. How do you feel like your, to ask you kind of the flip side of that same question, how do you feel like your professional identity has informed or inspired your personal life? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had that question. That's a great question. Um, that's a really good question. And uh, like, I feel like in every way, because I always would say this, that, um, like Ray, the artist, I'll say like, okay, so my, my name is my, my birth name was Rihanna. Um, and Ray, uh, was my name growing up. And then I, I, I added the E as like a stage name. So, and then now I just go by Ray, but I always used to say that like Ray was like four steps ahead of Rihanna. And I still feel that. Um, I feel like I'm constantly learning from my artist self. Um, I feel like my songs and my artistry and my creativity is more connected to spirit, to God, or to, you know, to whatever you want to call it, um, than I am. <laughs> I really feel that my art has been this guiding light for me personally, and that there are things that I can write songs about that I cannot articulate. Um, And there are things that I can write poems about that I can't articulate. And I always feel like Ray is four steps ahead of Rihanna. And actually Ray is what led me to activism and um, is what led me to um, this journey of reclamation of who I am. Um, And my, even my fans, like my fans and my audience is always challenging me and sending me things and holding me accountable and, really um asking me to be the best person i can be um and i love the challenge so yeah that's a great question i really really feel that my artist self my creative self has always been ahead of the rest of it (laughs) that's so interesting that's so interesting and powerful and i think it it weaves in nicely with the next question that i really have for you which is how have you found your voice in activism and in advocacy? Um, because you could you could easily 
easily just be. You could easily just continue mm. to put out music that, yeah. I think, like we mentioned earlier, you know, aligns with whatever expectations are set before yeah. you. But you chose the path of using your music. And I think that yeah. that's really interesting. I just would love to to learn more about that kind of yeah. experience. Sure. I mean, I think there's like so many different ways I can answer this question and I've answered it in the past, but um, for one, sometimes I don't feel comfortable with the word activist and sometimes I don't even really identify with it because I'm an artist that sings about things that are important, you know, but I do, I do like, I'll do a lot of advocacy work and activism through my music. So I guess I am an activist, but it's, it's so funny because sometimes I'm like, I feel like my life is music and act, act, advocacy and activism has been linked into the music, but since they're so one and the same, sometimes I, I forget that I, um, I do, I do have this activist spirit inside of me. Um, so anyway, that's one thing. <laughs> and then, um, you know, for lack of better words, I feel that making, for me, making music without a message, without a greater purpose is boring. Like I just get bored. I really get bored. I've written all kinds of songs um, and I get bored. I'm like, why am I here? Why does any, like, why do I want people to listen to this? Like, what is so good about this? And it's only when I write things that I feel like are a little bit edgy or a little bit controversial or a little bit um dark <laughs> for lack of better words like not even dark like a lot of my songs are so happy and so upbeat um I wouldn't say upbeat <laughs> they're still folk songs but they're so like bubbly um but they acknowledge a lot of the darkness in the world um like the um you know like missing and murdered indigenous women like standing rock like um immigrant rights like all of these things that are very dark. And I just feel like if I'm not going to comment on these things through my work, like, then what am I doing? Because these are things that are a part of me. I don't ever feel like I'm commenting or like I'm doing commentary because everything that I write about is coming from within. My mom is an immigrant. Immigrant rights, they hurt me in a place. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my blood because it's a part of me. Indigenous rights um, is a part of me. Um, you know, marginal, uh, like racial justice is a part of me. Um, all of this is like, I just feel like it is, uh, the, the deeper I dig into who I am, the more I write things about the world around me. And um, I just don't feel like I have a choice. Every time I pick up the guitar, this is where I go because this is this is my life. This is what's on my mind at all times and this is the experience of a woman of color in america and so um so yeah <laughs> that's the secret what you just said blew my mind mm. the deeper i dig inside of me the more i can write about the world around me oh i should make that into a little uh is that not a little, the uh, wall art <laughs> Everything that we've talked about so far, I think is just, it's so important to learn from you. Like the universe is just working. Everything that you've experienced, everything that you are, and everything that your music and your work stands for is perfectly intersecting with what the world needs. But it took oh. you sitting yeah. and doing all of that work and that yeah hustle and the, the that grit that it took you to get here in order for that gift to be born i mean it's it's the, you mm. know the diamond in the rough whatever metaphor you want to say i yeah. think that's if that's not a solution to a secret that somebody out there has been waiting for i don't know what is <laughs> i just i love what you just shared oh thank you so as as you've evolved, um, kind of wrapping up now, but mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure that COVID has thrown a big, <laughs> a big loop in your plans. <laughs> yeah. um, tell me about how your work has evolved in this new state and, mm -hmm. and how you're evolving based on, on this uncertainty of how, how to be an artist in this new world. Sure. I mean, honestly, there are, uh, I mean, like, it goes without saying that right now is a really difficult time for everyone, for many people. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky that I'm 
in a position where I still am able to like continue my work um, without uh, a lot of in-person stuff and touring and whatnot. But I know that a lot of people are really suffering, really struggling. This is a hard time. But um, I have personally found a lot of silver linings to what's going on. And um, this like mandatory pause that we've all been put on um, has really forced me into um, a lot of self-reflection and a lot of internal reckoning and a lot of more of a spiritual journey um, because uncertainty is something I think I always struggled with and I always really, I, I used hard work as this way to feel in control and to way to feel like I was guaranteed um, a good outcome because I always put the work in. But most of my life, I haven't experienced anything quite like this, where no matter how hard you work, you still can't go on tour. <laughs> you still cannot do that. That's not going to happen for anyone right now. And um, it's really forced me to be quiet. It's forced me to um, just, I mean, I think the first two months of quarantine or the first two months of this, I was like in tears a lot. <laughs> Not even like bad tears, just like really like taking stock of my life and who I am and what I want and who I am without touring because my life was always the goal was to go on tour, was to be a touring artist, was to headline Red Rocks, was to be like a road warrior. And that has been taken away from me. And I kept so much of my identity within that goal. And when that goal went away, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still here. I'm still an artist. I'm still doing cool stuff. I don't need to hold my identity in any goal because the goals might go away or they might change. And that has been a very enlightening and spiritual experience for me. And I have explored different avenues of creativity that I never did before. I started roller skating. I started a podcast. <laughs> I started um, writing all different kinds of music. I started producing my own music. Um, I started writing more poetry. Um, I started like swimming more like I just did all these things that I didn't do when I was had such a one-track mind because before COVID it was me Ray Zaragoza I'm gonna be a big time touring artist or I'm gonna die trying and that I didn't realize how much that tunnel vision was wearing on me and actually was not great for my creative self and so although I do wish I could be touring right now I'm grateful for this time and um, I, I wish that it was under different circumstances, obviously, and I wish that it wasn't a freaking virus that had to bring me to this pause, but I am grateful for the time to be paused and um, I don't want it to last forever <laughs> and I, I don't want this obviously to last much longer because I want everyone to be able to get back to what they need to do and get back to their work. But um, there have been some silver linings for sure. Mm. Yeah, I can I can sense this this sense of breath, like the joy that comes from. Yeah. I started roller skating. Ah, I know it's so <laughs> like fun. Space to explore yeah. and to explore different parts of yourself that you didn't know existed. I feel the exact. Yeah. Same way. I started yeah. the podcast during quarantine, and Whoa. I keep trying to buy roller skates, but they're sold out. <laughs> I know it's impossible. I bought mine right before. That's like, what I literally. Know. Oh my gosh, but don't keep trying. Get your roller skates. <laughs> if I had known how long quarantine would last, I would have immediately bought roller skates and yeah. free weights because I cannot buy. Okay, that's so out. funny because we have the same <laughs> issue, like me and my friend. And I like it took me months to get free weights, but I have them now. I'm so glad. <laughs> it was it was impossible. It was impossible to get them anyway. Yes. I'm, I'm now he's that person that was holding like cans of beans, being like, "Is this even doing?" Anything? I literally, yeah, no. I had a um, I had a just oh my gosh, what did I have? A laundry like detergent bottle. Yes. Like, filled with just like water and just like 
uh, <laughs> let's go everyone oh my gosh <laughs> yes so okay crazy. last question just to kind of wrap things mm-hmm. up and then then we'll do a lightning round which is our audience. <laughs> um what advice would you share for anybody that is listening to this and is petrified to yeah. step into the starving artist identity or yeah. whatever whatever is going to come with with walking down this kind of path mm-hmm. um you know our podcast is passages it's it's yeah. always kind of i'm in this season i'm working towards it i'm towards the end it's this mm. chapter um yeah. what would you say to somebody that's kind of looking at where you're at thinking i just want to get there one day but i don't know how oh yeah. i'd say hi i'm ray dm me <laughs> anytime you ever need advice um what would i give as advice i would say that um try not to get too much into this all or nothing thinking of like the starving artist thing especially because i think that a lot of us feel like we have to like give up everything to be artists like we have to like suffer till we make it and um you should read this book called big magic and it talks about like elizabeth gilbert yeah it's amazing you can be a creative person and you can be an entrepreneur in your creativity and you can start a creative business, whether that's as a musician or as a, you know, whatever, while also doing your day job. Um, I know everyone's situation is different. If you have kids, like it's really hard and all these things, but even if you like carve out like 30 minutes to an hour of like uninterrupted time to devote to your creative endeavors a day, if you have a day job, like, just chip away at it slowly and smart and focused. And um, especially right now, um, be very intentional about your time. Whatever time you have to devote to your creativity and to your, your creative business that you're working on, schedule it out every day and don't look at your phone and just be very intentional. Uh, organization to me is the trick to quote unquote making it as an artist or whatever. Like you see my kitchen, I have like everything written down. Everything is on dry erase boards. Every single idea, every single um, uh, thought, I write it down. Get really organized with your creative thoughts, whether that's on your phone, on an, in a notebook, on dry erase boards in your kitchen. Get really creative and don't let creativity be something that you only do when you're inspired. Make it a practice. Make it something that you do every day at the same time. Um, I start every day with 20 minutes of journaling and then 20 minutes of meditation. And then I usually do like 30 minutes of songwriting in the morning. And like, that's like, no matter what the rest of the day is, at least I did that. And of course, like the rest of the day, I'm like writing and like I'm doing all kinds of stuff. But no matter what the day holds, it always starts with that. So make creativity a practice and make your business a practice and treat it professionally, treat it organized. And um, if you make a plan, you can do it. You just have to have the plan first. Um, And right now I know like everything's different, but you have um, generally a lot of us have more time right now um, to do a lot of things from our computer and to do these things that we always said we were going to do. So be intentional about your time, be organized. And when you're being creative, focus and don't pick up your phone. (laughs) Oh, and my last, sorry, my last piece of advice that I think is a big one is to not be afraid to ask questions and to reach out and do that with like all kinds of people that you admire. You never know who's going to get back to you and you never know who's going to end up being your friend. Like I literally have, like I, I always say like there's Mil Connie Lim and uh samantha crane who are two artists that i admired for so long and i literally just like slid into their dms like over and over and now like they're two close friends like they're two like i mean connie i definitely say is a close friend of mine like and samantha too and they're people that i consider friends now but that turned in that was from like just really being a fan and an admirer for a long time and just know that we're all in the same boat, no matter what level we're at in our creative careers. And so don't be afraid to reach out. Mm. Mm. It's like a virtual hug through, yeah. through your headphones. <laughs> yes, virtual hug. 
I love that. I love that. Also, if you haven't read Big Magic, you're behind. <laughs> yes. Read Big Magic. Best book. The number one book I recommend. To, so to good. Yes. Okay. Ray, I am just in awe of your <laughs> story, of your advice. I'm, I'm, we're going to close out with a quick lightning round. Um, Yay! I just had to get that in there. Um, okay. My number one rule for lightning round. Don't think, just say. Ready? Okay. Love it. Okay. Biggest musical role model. Oh, hooray for the riffraff. Mm, okay. Yeah. Favorite venue that you've ever played? Red Rocks. <laughs> A dream. <laughs> and then book resource or quote that you would leave our listeners with? The Artist's Way. It's really amazing. It really changed my life at the beginning of quarantine. I would do it. Okay. It's, it'll be linked below. <laughs> Ray, thank you so much. I really enjoyed thank it. Thank you so much, Chloe. This was so fun. You're such a great interviewer. I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in today. Was that not just incredible? <laughs> that conversation with Ray felt like therapy. It was empowering. It was beautiful. Her voice. <laughs> I'm so excited. And you need to go listen to her album right now. You're behind. <laughs> Everything is linked below to support Ray, support her music, and to learn more about the Passages Project and everything that we're up to. To contribute to the Passages Project, whether you want to write, read, listen, shop, anything that you're interested in, you can head to thepassagesproject.com. We are always searching for new writers. So if you have a story that you want to tell about your career, about your experience as a young professional, about adulthood, one all the things about this strenuous but incredible season of life we want to hear from you no success stories are allowed your story is exactly what we need exactly as it is today head to the passages project and go to write to learn more about our program and to submit when you're ready if you have any questions at all you can always reach our team hello at the passages thanks for tuning in i will see you on the other side